And now, from San Francisco and the UCSF Rosenman Institute, the Health Technology Podcast with your host, Christine Winotto. Our guest today is Adrian Snyder, a veteran of the health benefit industry, as well as newly minted CEO of the Camille Group. Adrian spent a good portion of her career with American Airlines, where as a head of health benefits, she was in charge of the implementation and execution of health program for over 100,000 beneficiaries. Now, as a founder and CEO of the Camille Group, she uses her years of experience and business acumen to help clients tailor their operational strategies. Today, she explains what employees really want out of health plans and what it takes to make it in a difficult industry like healthcare and how to stand out to executives as healthcare startups. Here's our conversation. Welcome, Adrian. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I've been really excited for this opportunity. Oh, that's not exciting. So I thought maybe you can start with your background. You recently started the Camille Group, an advisory consulting firm. But prior to that, you spent more than a decade in American Airlines, where you were the decision maker for all healthcare and benefit programs for American Airlines. And can you share with us your personal journey that took you where you are today? Sure, I I would love to. So, you know, I um, started with American um, in 1999 and right out of college and, you know, always knew like when I was in school that I really had a passion for human resources in general, but wasn't quite sure the path that I wanted to take. You know, the great thing about American Airlines as a company is you can really chart your own path. And so when I started at American, I actually started um, as a supervisor in one of our reservation centers that was in Tucson, Arizona, and then just charted a path through operations um, and really understood and learned how the airline functions from an airport perspective, and then made my way into HR in 2003 and took on several different roles within human resources. So from training to talent development and succession planning to corporate citizenship and then back to training because that was really a, a passion of mine. And then in 2008, um, I, I made my way into health benefits. And, and I will tell you, you know, it's, it's interesting, um, you know, about the relationships that you sort of gain along the way, right, through throughout your career. I had a mentor, a very informal mentor, who I'd had a relationship with for a few years, and he called me. Um, one day and said, look, I've got a role that's coming open in benefits, specifically the benefits delivery or benefits administration organization. It would be a promotion for you. I would love for you to consider it. And so I decided to to take the leap. And so and that was a, a really interesting time frame because as I entered into the benefits delivery organization, you know, American Airlines, as you know, as a company, has gone through a lot, right, since since 9-11. 
And so when I actually entered into to that role, we were um, actually embarking on a process to outsource a lot of the benefits delivery work to a third-party vendor. So it was really a trial by fire, right, kind of role where I had to learn and absorb, right, all things benefits administration, and then quickly transition that to a a third-party vendor. So that was a really exciting time um, to to be able to do that Um, and a great learning experience. I was going to say, I read a bumper sticker a long time ago that experience is what you get when maybe you didn't get what you wanted, which, you know, is a little bit of a, a testament to some of the, the things that we encountered through that process, but really wonderful learning experience. And then after that, I transitioned into a benefit strategy role where I took on a lot of the responsibility or all of the responsibility for our um American at that time and and even now has about 25 different vendor partners. So responsibility for sourcing those partners for the strategic relationships um, for all of the plan design and development. And so all of the the strategy that goes into um, really creating a, a fulsome benefits package for the employees of American Airlines, along with budgetary responsibilities. A few years after that, I moved into the the director role where all of those different roles that I'd had, you know, in the the last few years, I then had responsibility for all of those, um, you know, from a combined perspective. But I think I stayed in benefits for so long because I really, really enjoyed it, enjoyed being able to strategically help the employees of, of American right through their benefits package. Um, and then also in the world of benefits, there is always a problem to solve. And so while every day didn't necessarily present a very unique challenge, I always felt like I, I always had ways that I could help and problems that I could solve for people. So I enjoyed the work. That's great. And so Maybe you can walk us through, because like, you know, as an employee, and I'm now an employee of UCSF, when when I think about the benefit, what I got, I just usually like, here, you know, this is your health insurance, and that was it. So sometimes yeah. we don't even know what went through in the department of trying to identify and have this, the benefit strategy uh, what are the things that you you want to offer and how you manage the cost and what are you looking for? Uh, walk us through a little bit in that, you know, that side of the world. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. So, you know, one of the things that, that I always, you know, thought about anytime I was ever considering a change in vendor, a change in strategy, um, is, you know, it was al- always really important to me to really keep the value of our benefits package in mind. You know, I think from a strategic perspective, right, a great and a valuable benefits package that the employee finds to be valuable is a terrific tool from an attraction and a retention perspective. You know, it's it's interesting, um, you know, several years ago, we uh, at American, as a leadership team, you know, did a survey 
you know, and asked questions about, you know, compensation and benefits and in, in which people preferred. And it was really interesting, you know, just from an overwhelming perspective that people said, you know, if you want to adjust my compensation, that's one thing, but please don't touch my benefits package. That is really, really important to me. And so I've always really taken that to heart, right, in in terms of implementing changes. And so, you know, so it's, I've really always thought about the balance of the value of the benefits package, but also, as you mentioned, you know, cost was always something in cost and really trend, right? It was always something that, you know, on an annual basis and up, you know, for me, much more than that was something that I always had to keep in mind. I, I joke um, a little bit with um, even my my clients now. And I say, you know, when I was a benefits director, I was really only as good as last year's trend. <laughs> That's it. And so because containing costs, right, is so important. And so when you think about the role of, of the benefits director, right, to, so you're balancing, you know, are you providing, you know, great tools for your employees from a benefits perspective, but then you also have the financial aspect, right, where every time I was also considering a program that I was implementing or a new vendor uh, or um, that sort of thing, I was also always thinking through, okay, so if, if we do this, can I demonstrate a cost savings? And can we also engage our employees in a different way than perhaps they're being engaged today? And so, you know, there's one thing to be able to implement what I would consider to be a valuable benefits program, but I'm also looking or was looking for relationships with potential vendor partners who really valued engaging our employees in the services that they offered. Because it's one thing, you can have a suite of great benefits, but if no one's engaging in those, then, or they don't understand what they have, then have have you really kind of moved the, the dial anywhere except for on paper? So, you know, it was really sort of, you know, a process that we had to go through, my team and I, um, you know, on an annual basis to say, is this, you know, if we're considering a new program or new partner, can we contain costs? Will they engage with our employees? And do we see them also as a partner who would be able to innovate down the road as well? So, you know, it was interesting. It was, I often felt like, Uh, you know, we were putting like pieces of a puzzle together, right, to really ensure that every every new vendor um, that we brought into our ecosystem really fit inside and and really could be a part of what I would consider a family, right, of the suite of benefits programs that we had. Um, So it was a, it was very, it was often very dynamic. Mm Mm-hmm. So I want to, I know you mentioned there's 25 different vendors at American, uh, in American Airlines. I want to focus more on the health part of the benefit. There's so many different benefits. And we, me and with my very simple-mindedness, it's like, oh, you know, when I think about health, I just think about, I got the health insurance so that when I go see a doctor, you know, the insurance is going to pay portion of my bill. Um what do you, I mean, what is 
uh, health benefit entails in American Airlines. Uh, I mean, not just American Airlines, you know, I'm sure employers like American Airlines were large and considered as, you know, big payers in our healthcare system. And what are they looking for? So, you know, I was going to say, we're, we're definitely, as, as I mentioned, you know, cost is definitely a, a key factor, right? In terms of, you know, if, if we're thinking just about, you know, medical, right, benefits in, in general and pharmacy benefits, you know, we're, we're definitely looking for things like even from, you know, a, a payer's perspective or medical carrier's perspective, you know, are we getting discounts, right, um, from the perspective that when our employees are, are seeing physicians and doctors, are they, are we really going to be receiving discounts, right, for, for those employees to be able and, and leveraging the volume, so we think about that from a medical perspective, but I would also say that employers are also looking for some employers, a, a lot of employers are also looking for innovative ways to contain costs. So I would say, you know, discounts from a large carrier perspective um, is something that we're interested in, but we're also thinking about other innovative ways, right? And so, you know, are there any direct-to-provider relationships that make sense? You know, I was going to say one of the things that I was proudest of um, in one of my last years at American was implementing a direct relationship with a hospital system in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and really um, being able to really ensure that from a care perspective, so from a care management and a disease management perspective, you know, when you're able to directly contract with a hospital system who has an accountable care organization, um, that you're able to impact the care of employees in a completely different way. Because we're looking for things, as I mentioned, right, like with discounts, but we're also really wanting to have partners who really are very focused on the health of our employees and also the outcomes of their health. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's really one of those things where there's a, as I mentioned before, it's, it's like a puzzle, right? Where we want to make sure that we have the right partners who are very focused on ensuring that our employees are going to be as healthy as possible. Are they making also the right decisions? Because care or the cost of care is also very much influenced by the quality of the provider, and then the quality and the cost of the location in which they're seeking care. And so, you know, one of the things that um, became very apparent to me as I, you know, became more mature in, in my career is that if we could influence the site of care where people were receiving the, the care that they were getting, that we could really then influence the cost. You know, I was going to say, it's it's one of those things where you can, you know, in Dallas-Fort Worth, you can go to one location and get an MRI for $400. You can get 
that same MRI in a completely different location, maybe that's in a hospital, and that same MRI can be $4,000. And so it's really making sure that you've got the right partners in place who can also help direct care for employees when possible to help them make sure that they're making those right decisions. So whether that's an excellent call center, whether that's a health navigation service, whether that's, you know, really making sure that your your employees have the right tools in front of them, right, to help them make those right decisions, that ultimately helps to keep the cost of care down for employees mm-hmm. and for large organizations who are paying for the majority of it. So do you think like uh, employers like American Airlines, then it become more like self-funding, self-insured rather than using a third party, like say a big uh, health, uh, healthcare companies to, to insure? Because I think you work directly with the provider. Yes. So large companies like American and, and really most companies that have more than 50 to 100 employees um, are normally going to be self-funded, right? Meaning that the employer, the, the company pays for the majority of, of the healthcare costs. Um, And so we do share, right, in some of those costs with employees through premiums and deductibles and out-of-pocket costs. But generally speaking, most employers pay anywhere from 70 to 85% of the cost for employees. Mm -hmm. So so, so, uh, let's go back, like the example, using American Airlines example. So that covered a medical part where you partner with providers, providers. you kind of also narrowing a little bit of the choices for the employees yet contain the cost, but you're ensuring the medical care that were provided to them is also high quality as well. So employees were not too upset when their option is being narrowed. Um, What about, so now there's a lot of other things besides medical care, right? You know, people talk about providing the well-being, the wellness, the mental health aspect of it. How does a technology company working with employer like American Airlines? So, um, you know, I was going to say that that's a a great question, right? So I, I think it really goes back to, you know, there's, it, there's one thing, right, just to provide medical insurance uh, for, you know, for employees. But I think that, you know, we're in an interesting shift in dynamics right now, where I think gone are the days where employees are saying, hey, just give me my medical coverage and I'm great or dental and vision. But they're also looking for what I would refer to more as whole person benefits, right? And so those are things like, you know, I'm not just here getting a paycheck, right, and performing a set of tasks, but I also want you to, as an employer, acknowledge that I have different needs. And so that it's, it's a, it, we're in sort of this dynamic place, right, where I do think many employers are very focused on mental health for their employees. Obviously, the last 19 months, since, you know, we've been in this pandemic has really, I think, opened the eyes of employers that, you know, we really need to be thinking about the whole person. 
their mental health, their physical health from a well-being perspective, right? And do we have the the right programs that are really engaging employees so that, you know, whether they're in the office, whether they're completely remote or there's a, a hybrid approach, that we're really taking care of them in a way that promotes self-care. And so I, I think, you know, I'm excited, I would say, um, for, you know, this this phase that we're in. And my hope is that, you know, we continue down this path where employers are really putting together innovative benefits programs, not just, you know, health or excuse me, medical and and dental and vision, but an entire program, right, that wraps around the employee. So whether it's a physical need or an emotional need um, or a social need that employees have, right, it's recognizing that whole person. I think we're in a really exciting place for that. Yeah, no, it's exciting. And I think at the same time, probably there's a lot more moving pieces, right? Because before you care about the, the medical care, the dental and the vision, now there's an onslaught of uh, options. And yeah. how do you choose what's the right one? That's right. No, very, very good question, right? Because there there are so many new digital health vendors or, or just new, you know, startups in, in the marketplace. So it's an exciting time. But I will tell you, I, I think to, to your question, employers are, are fatigued, right? Um, a little bit because there are so many different options in in the marketplace. And so when I would say, you know, there's there's also a little bit of a rub, um, you know, with with medical carriers as well, because if an employer is excited about if you have 20, you know, or 30 employers as a medical carrier, and they're all excited about a different digital health vendor, then how do you get them in network and support? And it, it just becomes um, a, a bit of a place of where you don't know necessarily where to turn. So I would say this, I think, you know, uh, when I think about the, the different uh, vendors or health startups that I evaluated, I looked at, at different aspects like, you know, obviously ROI. So, you know, obviously we always have to think about things from cost perspective and an engagement perspective, and then also sort of a, a longer term, you know, from an implementation and an ongoing perspective. So, you know, thinking first about it from a cost perspective, right? So as we're evaluating vendors, say we've we've already determined that there definitely, um, that there's a need that we have. We're evaluating vendors from the perspective of, you know, is there, is, you know, does this vendor charge a PPM or PMPM? And if so, are they willing to really put an ROI guarantee in place because, you know, there are within many different um, organizations, the the way that you structure the cost, it might get a lot more intention from finance than, you know, a different way that you may structure it. So that's definitely something to keep in mind. A lot of employers are looking for ROI guarantees. 
you know, some. What do you mean by ROI guaranteed? Sorry. (laughs) What do you mean by ROI guaranteed? How do you, how do you do that? I love it when somebody says, I want to guarantee. You don't hear that very often these days. (laughs) Sure. Absolutely. So, you know, if, if there is a a startup that is saying, Hey, you know, we're going to charge 10, $10 per employee. And we're going to guarantee you though, that, you know, if for the 10,000, just as an example, that you may be paying us a month, we are guaranteeing that we are going to save you at least $10,000, if not more. And, you know, I think the those who are really getting it right is, you know, those ROI guarantees can't be fluffy. They really have to be real targets that can truly be measured by both the healthcare startup and then also the employer, right? And so it's it's that guarantee that as much as I'm paying you, you're going to save me in medical claims, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So yes, so okay. that's that guarantee. Okay. And I think at the same time, when you're entering it, they want a guarantee, but it probably takes a year to see the results. So in a way, you yeah. kind of, it's a way for them to convince the employer that, hey, this is a guarantee. And then right. it give them a, a year to prove that, con- to prove it to the employer. Yes, that that's right. And so in one of the things, um, you know, that, that we also did when I was at American is we used our claims data warehouse, right, to also create cohorts so that we could also alongside of that healthcare startup, right, that we were tracking the savings as well. And so I think that's really important. And we were really transparent about that. And I think that that becomes really important so that a year from now, we're both on the same page about whether or not those savings were achieved. And then also, I think about it, Christine, from the perspective of, you know, I I think employers are really looking for not just a different set of new vendors to come in, but really real partners, right? And so what what I mean by that is, you know, really a, a relationship that we're looking for, right? So obviously there's going to be an expectation around engagement, right, through your programs. Um, and then also that there's a, a cost containment, but there's also the perspective of, I really want you to work with me. I would say this is a benefits director to a healthcare startup. Like, let's talk about the different ways that you're engaging our employees and that you're also making sure that our, our people are very satisfied with your services, and so, you know, it's it's one of those things where we're saying, and if they're not, let's talk about different ways and strategies. You know, are there operational issues that perhaps, you know, we need to get past or beyond? Because it's so interesting, right, where employees really, they talk to each other, you know, like, hey, I had a great experience with healthcare startup X, Y, or Z. Have you tried them? And it's so interesting. People talk, right? Just just as we know, right? Um, just in in everyday life. And so it's and so that is why the employee experience is so critical. Mm-hmm. This podcast is sponsored by Brown Rutnick's Global Life Sciences Group. 
a team of legal professionals that help life science companies, lenders, and investors around the world turn good science into good business. Learn more at brownrudnick.com. This podcast is also sponsored by Canon Quality Group. Canon Quality Group has been helping medtech startups set up quality management systems for over 10 years. If you're unsure when to get started with quality management in your startup, turn to the experts at canonqualitygroup.com. Walk us through, so you are saying earlier, there's onslaught of options these days. Yeah. They're all knocking at your door. And it's how do you stand up and then, and then for, to get your attention and then to engage and continue with the further discussion to get that deal signed? Sure, absolutely. Yes. So, you know, we're, we're evaluating from the perspective of, I talked about it from a cost perspective. We're, we're looking at it from the perspective of, you know, if it's a large organization, right? Can you convince us that you have the ability to scale? to meet the needs of a large organization. So, you know, that is absolutely critical. And so, you know, American Airlines was in almost every 50 states that we have. So we really needed to make sure that our partners could address the needs of all of our employees and do that adequately. So we were really looking for partners who had a proven track record of doing that. And also who had a proven track record of really understanding how critical the employee experience was, right? So we were always looking at things like, you know, customer satisfaction data, NPS, you know, really wanting to understand, you know, is this a partner that truly, one, knows how to engage with our employee population and and when I say engage, because I think we all look at that a little bit differently, but, you know, is this, you know, a, a healthcare startup, right, who has the ability to not just, you know, Adrian picks up the phone and calls one time or, you know, engages with a representative in a different kind of way one time, but really, truly from a value perspective, will she continue to use the service? on an ongoing basis. And that is, you know, really, as we think about engagement, it's it's beyond just, hey, I called one time a year, but do I really see the value to continue to call? And mm-hmm. so that yeah. is, is really critically important. And then we also look, um, you know, from the perspective, so not just the fact that employees talk, as we talked about, but also benefits leaders talk. And so, you know, if, if we're really looking very strongly at a specific healthcare startup, we also want to know who their other clients are and what that experience has been. And so, you know, I, I think that's where I would say reputation is everything. It's one thing to get your foot in the door as a healthcare startup. It's another thing to stay there. And so I think it's really about partnering with that employer um, from the perspective of understanding the needs of their employees, really pulling off an implementation from a 
stellar perspective. And then continuing to treat that employer as a partner to talk through how you're, you know, really helping to benefit their employees. And then when you are making changes as a healthcare startup or innovating your product, you know, if you have a relationship or developing a relationship with an employer that benefits director and you want to run a pilot, as long as you are doing a great job at, you know, the, the original reason that you were hired, then you can really get your foot in the door to, you know, use that potential, you know, employer to run a pilot for different, you know, piece that that you're actually mm-hmm. thinking about, you know, if you're thinking about changing, you know, the way that you engage or, you know, bringing on a new platform um, or, you know, if you're addressing a different diagnosis than you were, right, then you have that that partnership with the employer where you can really use use their help, right, to figure out if, if that new product works. Yeah, so it, it's, it's always, you know, um, almost like a step process. You get yes. pilot in the door and then make sure you do a good job and that that's when you expand. Yep. And then once you expand, you did it well, the benefit leader will talk to the other benefit leader and say, hey, talk to so-and-so. That's right. And you've got an advocate right there. And, you mm-hmm. know, and and it's so, it's interesting that you say there, that you say that because, you know, I can think of a number of times, right, where I talk to other healthcare leaders within large companies or have friends who've just picked up the phone and said, hey, Adrian, I'm thinking about X, Y, and Z vendor. Can you just tell me, you know, what, what your thoughts were? Or I see someone at a healthcare conference and they approach me or I approach them and say, hey, I heard through so-and-so that you used X, Y, and Z healthcare startup. Tell me what your thoughts are. Again, reputation is everything. Mm-hmm. So do you think like a lot of, I'm just thinking now about like, there's a lot of large employer, like American Airlines, all the airlines are huge employer and Amazon's another big one. Um, everybody's moving toward the self-insured. And mm-hmm. do you guys still work with the, say, the, the, the traditional healthcare company to do a lot of the administrative work? Because American Airlines is not an insurance, health insurance company. Right. Yes. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, I was going to say, even though, you know, I talked initially about the direct contract that we did with the hospital system, super innovative, um, you know, way of, of doing things, we are still, you know, at this point reliant on the large medical carriers. So the Aetna's, the Cygna's, the Blue Cross's. And so, you know, we we are reliant on them, right, to really develop the network, um, to make sure that they have meaningful discounts, right, because employers are bearing the majority of the cost, and then also at medical claims adjudication. So, you know, there those are things where, you know, employers are definitely reliant on larger carriers. Um, and so, and we're also looking at each one of those carriers from, you know, different perspectives. So we're looking at discounts. We're looking at, you know, the different tools that those carriers have, you know, and, and a lot of them are trying to differentiate themselves as well. 
right? By having different strategic partnerships with different um, healthcare startups, right? To to make sure that they're continuing to to add value in the marketplace as well and in making investments that way. And so I, I would say, you know, we, we talked about fatigue in the market and, and that sort of thing. And so even though, as I mentioned, American had 25 different, you know, medical carriers or excuse me, uh, vendor contracts, we also had um, or were looking for different ways to have strategic partnerships where perhaps you can have the benefit, right, of your employees having access to, you know, different digital healthcare startups, but maybe through a medical carrier contract. So, you know, that's a, a different dynamic that's going on in the marketplace as well. Yeah. So it's almost like you can go directly to the healthcare startups but you can go through have to to have access to the new innovation through the healthcare companies that you're partnering with that help providing all that. Yes. And so I, I would say we look at it though from the perspective of if I'm going to go through a medical carrier to have access to a specific vendor, we're looking at it from a cost perspective as well, right? So mm-hmm. would it potentially cost more for me to have this contract through the medical carrier versus going direct? And so we're, right. we're evaluating it from that perspective as well. Yeah, sounds like uh, this, the, the role of the benefit uh, director is uh, moving faster and faster because I feel like there's a lot more choices these days compared to 40 years ago. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, and it's interesting that you say that. It, it is such a dynamic role, right? Because, you know, we talked about a lot of it from sort of, you know, an in, in external perspective, right, with healthcare startups and vendor partners and medical carriers. But there's an entirely different aspect of the role, right, in internally, right? And so just because we found it a great you know, new potential vendor partner healthcare startup, we've got to sell that internally, mm-hmm. right? right? And so within large organizations like in American Airlines, you know, there are several different layers of leadership, right, that, you know, you have to gain buy-in from. And that buy-in process might not necessarily look like just one conversation with one person. You know, you're having strategic conversations at strategic times of year with the CHRO, which might be a little bit different than the CFO, which might be a little bit different or more encompassing with the CEO. And they're all there at the same time. And then other people from finance, right, might be in a different meeting, but you're already trying to grease the skids, right, with the CEO and the CFO. Not even, you know, we we also need to then also mention you have to bring your partners from a legal perspective along the way, your partners from a data security perspective along the way. And if you're highly unionized, like American was, then also your employee relations leaders along the way as well. And, and really, you know, talking to them, um, you know, up front to say, hey, this is what I'm considering. This is why I think it would be valuable. We want to make sure that you're thinking through this as well. 
So once we get to contract implementation, or even before that, right, contract um, negotiation, that you're thinking about the things. And so you're bringing them right together as well to make sure that, um, you know, they are helping you along the way to make sure that you're getting those vendor partners implemented well. It's almost like as a technology startup, the benefit leaders are your advocate within the employer group. Absolutely. That's right. Well, I know we're running out of time. I have so many more questions, but unfortunately we had hit our time limit. Uh, But I want to thank you so much for sharing your insight and your your thought about how to engage with an employer like American Airlines. Oh, thank you. Well, maybe you'll have that and we can talk more. Yes, (laughs) that sounds good. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Health Technology Podcast. We want to thank our executive producer, Herminio Neto, and our podcast engineer, Andrew Rojek. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. The Health Technology Podcast is available on all major platforms.